0: Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joe Nebostinsky, and today I'm joined by Frank Ryan. Frank has an interesting background, a lot of interesting things going on with Frank. Welcome to Holy Family Radio.
1: Joe, thanks so much. Thanks for letting me be here this morning.
0: Uh, First of all, I'd like you to maybe uh, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Uh, Joe, I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and then my mom in uh, uh, mid-1975, I uh, moved to Emmitsburg, Maryland, and where we became, uh, my mom became the director of development for the Daughters of Charity. So I went to, uh, Mother Seton School in Emmitsburg, got very close with the Daughters of Charity, and, uh, spent quite a bit of time, uh, in Emmitsburg, went to Mount St. Mary's College. Mm-hmm. Uh, then during the Vietnam War, uh, I did not serve in Vietnam, but I'm Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, uh, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, became an officer in the Marine Corps. And that was a pretty defining moment in my life. I spent a total of 41 years in active and reserve service. Most of the time was reserve duty, but I'm an Iraq mm-hmm. veteran, Afghanistan veteran as well. What kind of experiences did you have in those years? You know, it was probably a uh, fascinating period of time, I think, to be in the military. Uh, obviously, World War II and the Korean War were challenging times. But it was a, the period of time during which asymmetrical warfare came about. We saw the the way the nation was so horribly divided because of the Vietnam War and so many good uh, American citizens served so bravely in Vietnam. And a lot of us began to question the way things were happening. So uh, my expertise in the Marine Corps became economic warfare and asymmetrical warfare. So uh, I was an expert in counterinsurgency. Uh, So when Desert Storm happened, I was a, a battalion executive officer and uh, we were getting ready to get mobilized. The war ended very quickly, and I thought, well, my career in the Marine Corps is over. And I was getting ready to retire when on September 11, 2001, the World Trade Center attack. And it just shows you how, the, you know, literally God is in control of your life, and you can have all these plans that you want to have, but they don't always materialize. Uh, so on September 11th, uh, I was given a lecture in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, my wife called me up. She said, when am I going to see you again? And I said, probably in about a year. And mm-hmm. shortly thereafter, I got uh, – I was already on active reserve duty at the time. Mm-hmm. I got called active duty, went to Central Command Special Operations in Tampa, overseas to Afghanistan, uh, and then the rest is history. Wow.
0: Yeah. I know sometimes people say that when we tell God our plans, he just laughs, right?
1: Uh, it, <laughs> it's, you know, it's amazing. Right. I was talking to my son about that this weekend, is that no matter what I thought I was in plan and had planned, uh, God's really in control. And every time you turn around, something else happens. Same thing with being in the legislature. Mm -hmm. Never thought that was going to happen the way it did. Well, tell us a little bit about your education background. Well, I went to uh, Mother Seton School for elementary school. Mm -hmm. And uh, then from there, I went to uh, Fairfield High School in Fairfield, Pennsylvania, Mount St. Mary's College. Uh, graduated from the Mount, and then uh, got an MBA in finance and a CPA mm-hmm. uh, from the University of Maryland in
0: nineteen seventy seven. Wow, amazing! What an amazing. Tell us a little bit about your faith uh, background.
1: You know, it's interesting, Joe. I, I tell people uh, the uh, when I first was a younger person, when I was at Mount St. Mary's, I'd wanted to become a priest, so I was in the Diocese, Archdiocese of Baltimore, and looked at going into the seminary. And so I went to a pre-seminary program with the Vincentian Fathers. And the, it's kind of a funny story. The, uh, every morning, the, uh, all those of us that were thinking about becoming seminarians and priests, they would ring the bells at 4 a.m. and we'd get up, we'd go to devotions, and then we would have more devotions, and then we'd have classes, then we'd have breakfast. And I said, you know, I don't re- really like that regiment. <laughs> so then I ended up joining the Marine Corps. <laughs> and my, my mom said uh, – uh, I'm not quite sure what that was about, uh, but so anyway, so I, uh, you know, obviously left uh, the seminary. Well, it was not really in the seminary, but it was a pre seminary. Right. Went into Mount Saint Mary's, uh, became a marine, uh, served in the Marine Corps, and kind of fell away from the church. Uh, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I, I, in fact, I always tell people that that God is a forgiving God, and uh, I, I, literally for probably about fifteen years was what I would say a fallen-away Catholic. And I heard someone make a comment one time, welcome back. You know, we want those of you who've been uh, in the church to come back. Uh, In fact, I hear Bishop Gaynor do that occasionally. Mm -hmm. Now, and it's a good message for people to hear. And uh, I came back, and a good friend of mine in uh, Baltimore, I was on the Archdiocese of Baltimore Order Committee, recommended me to join the Order of Malta. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a a year-and-a-half formation process to see if it's really something that's suited for you. In the Knights of Malta, we do work with people who are terminally ill or very sick, and we take them to the pilgrimage at Lourdes. And I went on my first pilgrimage there, and by by that point in time, I was coming back. But that really brought me back to the faith completely when I saw the strength. uh, As I said, you, you can't grow any more deeply in your faith when you have 10,000 of your closest friends in a candlelight vigil singing Ave Maria. Wow. And it's so beautiful. Even it was, it was so beautifully sung, it even drowned out my voice, which <laughs> uh, I don't have a, a voice that's particularly good if I'm
0: trying to sing. So it brought it back. It was a good journey. Amazing. Tell us a little bit. I know uh, you have a family. Can you tell us about how you met your wife?
1: My my wife, Sherry, uh, and I met, uh, I was working in a small company in Berwick, Pennsylvania. As a CPA, I specialize in keeping companies out of bankruptcy. And I do a lot. That's how I got into the economic warfare in the Marine Corps. Uh, I'm really good. I, I tell people I came from a very, very poor family. Uh, and only later did I find I was very rich because I knew my mom loved me. We just didn't have any money. So I was doing a turnaround of a company in Berwick, Pennsylvania, and I met my wife, Uh, She and I worked together for a little bit, uh, although I was in a separate company. And so I left the company. We got the turnaround done. And so uh, I called her up about a week after the engagement was over and asked if she wanted to go out. And then the rest is history. And do you have children? Well, we do. We have four kids uh, and then we have nine grandchildren.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's always great. I have two grandchildren, and I think they're the greatest thing in the world.
1: Yeah, they're absolutely. And, and my wife, I, I've been divorced and remarried, and my so my four children with my first wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the kids and and my wife just have just a tremendous uh, working relationship, a loving relationship, and Sherry was with me this weekend as we were taking care of our grandchildren, Jamie and Joey, and uh,
0: just spoiling
1: them as much as we
0: possibly could. That's our job as grandparents. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about. Uh, some of the other things you you have, you have such a wide variety of experiences in your life for a young man like you. So
1: well, it's the first time someone's ever said a seventy two year old is <laughs> a young man. Uh, but well, I'm, it's all relative. You know? <laughs> it, it is. You know, it's uh, at seventy two. Uh, I, I keep telling people that I didn't realize that if I was going to live to be this long, I would have taken much better care of myself. But but I like to volunteer, mm-hmm. and and my passion in my life is children with disabilities, and that's. Why well, I made a comment that I came from a very poor family, but I was actually very wealthy, and I never knew it. Uh, we worked with the Sisters of Good Shepherd at Good Shepherd Center in Baltimore. And I was asked, a friend of mine said, you know, Frank, you're not being active enough in your faith. Come on down and join us. So I spent 28 years on that board. We saw children that had been horrifically abused. Some had been trafficked.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, it was horrible what they had gone through. And so uh, I, I saw a, a young boy there that had been horrifically tortured, for lack of a better term, and that's what convinced me to walk across the United States to raise awareness of children with disabilities and with emotional behavioral problems. And I did that in 2014. It was a highlight of my life.
0: Tell us a little bit more about it.
1: You know what was fascinating in uh, the entire time it took me to walk across the United States—a little over, a little under 150 days. Average about 25 miles a day, 2,806 miles. I did not have one negative experience. Uh, but what I would tell you is is that it really reinforced uh, the value of human interaction with one another. That's why during COVID I became concerned when we shut down things the way we did. The, the need for people to be in contact, in human contact with one another is amazing. But I saw some unbelievably gracious people and not one negative
0: experience in that entire time. I have so many questions about that. How did you figure out the, the route that you were going to go?
1: It was an interesting issue. I it was, And that was the other thing that it really taught me about faith and that God is really in control. My plan was to do 32 miles a day, 10 days straight, and then take a day off. And on the first day, one of the sisters said to me, I was going to walk. I called it originally a walk of atonement and a walk of gratitude. What I said is, my walk of atonement was, if I ever hurt anybody in my life, I'd ask that they forgive me. if If I ever disappointed anybody, I asked that they would pray for me. If I ever helped anybody, I'd ask that they would help another. And then if someone, it was a walk of gratitude, because I wanted to be very thankful for all the gifts I had. And then one of the sisters said to me, she said, Frank, would you do the walk for children with disabilities? And that changed the entire walk, and the very first day, my entire plan fell apart about the walk because i was on, I was supposed to be on the beach for about five minutes and start walking to get to thirty two miles and I was on the beach for two hours, mm. so the entire route had to be
0: pre uh,
1: replanned after the first day
0: Wow. yeah that'll that'll do it when you have a plan and then it has to change like how did you raise money uh for
1: the cause then? The well, we, I was doing a lot of Facebook posts, and we were asking people to make donations mm-hmm. uh, to the Sisters of Good Shepherd. And we, we raised a fairly decent amount of money. I was a little disappointed at first. I wanted to raise a lot more money, which shows you kind of the stuff that happens. Well, we got done the walk. We had raised probably about $600,000. $600,000. Uh, well, wait until you hear what happened. Shortly after that, the uh, sheriff came by and sent us a, a note and said, that uh, someone had uh, apparently, and I don't know the person, didn't know him at all, uh, left $2.1 million in his will to the Sisters of the Good Shepherd.
0: My gosh, that's, so, that's, that's amazing.
1: It, it, well, that's, that's why I wrote the book called mm-hmm. It's Amazing Stories of My Walk Across the United States because it, it's, it really, and this is kind of thing that that uh, reinforced for me that God is in control. I, a, a funny story, I was... In the middle of the desert, I was struggling. I thought I was going to go into heat exhaustion, and and so I, I started to, to pray. I said, you know, blessed Mother, could you please intercede for me and have a, a gust of wind come up? And shortly thereafter, a gust of wind came up, and I went, okay, that's pretty interesting. And so uh, I kind of got things back under control and uh, through prayer and intercession. And uh, I and I looked up in heaven. I said. Okay, I'm, I probably shouldn't do this, but if I could get a Milky Way, I'd love that. And <laughs> I started laughing, and I even put this in a book. And I said, mm. shortly thereafter, this guy and I was in an isolated part of the United States. This guy stops his car and he said, "I don't have any water here, but I got a bag of Milky Way miniatures if you'd like some." Oh my God! <laughs> and I said, "Okay," uh, I said, <laughs> "I'll stop. I'm going to stop playing around." It's uh, but but it it just it was just one of those things where I think we it showed me that God's got a sense of humor as well.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. And we're going to have to take a break right now. Uh, I know we're right in the middle of these great stories, uh, but we need to take a break for just a minute. Uh, My guest today is Frank Ryan. We'll be right back after these messages. Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm Joan Neviskinski, your host, and we're continuing our conversation with Frank, uh, Frank Ryan, and we're going to talk a little bit about your time in the legislature.
1: Joe, I tell you, what a, a fascinating time. You know, I specialize, as I mentioned, in keeping companies out of bankruptcy, and I did that with government as well, and I became concerned that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania was going to go bankrupt, and so as happened so frequently, uh, someone had asked me to run for U.S. Congress, And I was getting ready to tell them no Mm -hmm. when at that – literally while I was telling them no, the person who was holding the 101st district legislative seat in the Pennsylvania legislature announced her retirement. And without skipping a beat, he said, would you run for that? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And that's how that came about. And so what what was interesting about it – I'm I'm pro-life and I absolutely believe in the dignity of human life. But what convinced me uh, as a legislator was that we've we've got a long way to go to show people the difference between medicine and health care mm-hmm. um, at Good Shepherd' services, many of our children were victimized they were trafficked, and the sisters prohibited abortion and what the sisters would say to me is one save one child at a time frank and they they often admonished me and said you you sometimes think too grandiose." And you have to realize it's your impact with one person at a time because these problems are severe and you need to help get other people to, to learn to help others as well. So what I I saw frequently, like I'm the person who sponsored the fetal remains bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we lost a child and the, the child was was destroyed by the hospital before we even had a chance to recover the remains. And when – it It convinced me that that the medical system there are there are doctors who practice health care and then there are those that practice medicine and The difference is one is looking at the human side of it now, I was in a, a, in a legislative outreach with Hershey medical system, and this they had a volunteer trying to distract us in the process, and she was kept going back to why well, I, I don't know if I want this i don't know if I want that and it, and they were trying to get her to focus on what her medical issue was when, in fact, the real issue was you could tell she really missed her husband mm-hmm. and, and, and in real life. And her husband had passed away about a year before. And so I st- saw her afterwards. I said, that must be really hard. Tell me about your husband. And it literally tears started to flow. and. And once that happened, she was ready to talk about what her medical issues were. Mm -hmm. And we sometimes don't recognize that the human contact and how critically important that is with one another. So in the legislature, uh, as an example, I'm the one who sponsored the bill to eliminate the death penalty. And and I felt for a couple of reasons. One is I I believe in the value of life. Mm -hmm. And I talked to – people who had lost children or parents or others from being killed, they said they didn't feel better if the other person was executed. They mm-hmm. didn't – it was almost like revenge as opposed to forgiveness. And and so what we said is what can we do to help that? And, and so throughout the legislative process, I tried to focus on getting the Commonwealth under better financial control that would be much more sustainable and to be much more compassionate and just because this idea – of just letting people commit crimes and walk away is not helpful either. So what we found in the legislative process is that we have a long way to go to help convince people that that someone's right to terminate an abortion is really affecting the life of the person who just got terminated. Yeah. A- and we have a great deal of difficulty with that. I also would tell you that I was very concerned about how political people are are dealt with. Um, we are supposed to be servants. It's it's one of the things that you would ask me earlier about a a favorite biblical passage, and I'll talk about that later. But but this idea that we're supposed to be the servants of the people, not the other way around. Uh, When you get elected to the state legislature, they call you honorable. And I always said there's nothing honorable about getting Mm -hmm. elected, nothing. Honorable is your character. And and God knows I've done my fair share of things I wish I had. And and at the same time, we have to recognize the honorable person is that person who's going about his daily life with compassion and understanding and love and forgiveness of others. That's the honorable person. And we've got this thing all distorted. So I was I love the time in the legislature. We've got some phenomenal legislators. Uh, but I'm certainly glad it's past me.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. What was the atmosphere like? I mean, was it, uh, was it easy to work with? Was it hard to work with? What the colleagues that you had to deal with?
1: I, I would tell you the vast majority of colleagues I had to deal with are absolutely tremendous, but it's an incredibly toxic environment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I would make it as, that a comment to all your listeners that we we have to learn to to get – to be able to deal with one another in a much more civil way than we can. And I'm talking about citizens as well. We didn't normally see legislators get out of control with one another but i've seen legislators get out of control with constituents and constituents with legislators mm-hmm. which is not healthy so we always encourage people to to try to tone it down a notch how did you deal with that well i my my this is where my faith really comes into play i do not believe in being negative mm-hmm. so i've never done a negative campaign one person attacked me a doctor attacked me for my fetal remains bill and i put out a press release asking everyone to pray for her that she would understand. And I wasn't trying to be snarky, mm-hmm. but I would say pray for her that she understand healthcare versus medicine, and they're different. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is looking at the total person, what what makes that person take their emotional issues. Uh, we have the whole person. The whole person. Yeah, right. We have so many suicides, bullying, things of that nature. If you really want to end that, look at the health aspects of that. You know, putting people on drugs to get them over that is not the answer. It may
0: be a temporary
1: solution, but the real solution is to solve the problem.
0: Wow. Well, you've been successful in so many different areas. Can you tell me what motivates you?
1: Uh, Every single solitary day, what motivates me the most is being able to give back to other people. Uh, In the long and short of it, I was very blessed. My dad died when I was three years old. My mom was a a saint. Uh, Mom had five children. Uh, I always tell her that I was the best. Uh, Mm -hmm. She. Took umbrage with that, but that's another <laughs> matter. Um, but but uh, she did a great job of of uh, raising us uh, in in poverty. I mean, we just had nothing. Uh, but she worked real hard. She ended up with a high school education only, becoming a director of development for the daughters of charity. She helped uh, pull together all the work on the canonization of Elizabeth Ann Seton, and uh, she was wow. an accomplished author and 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 she never took no for an answer gave a resounding spirit that you can make a difference in other people's lives. And what, what is so important to me is to be able to give back to other people and to be a servant leader. Uh, in the Marine Corps, we called it leadership by walking around. You, you would talk to, to, to people, and that became really incredibly important.
0: How do you define success? For me, success is how
1: many people you can lead to do the right things and how many people that you're living with can help you, keep you on the straight and narrow uh, we None of us have ever arrived until the day we die and go into the life with Christ. Uh, so we're in this together, and the more we can do to help one another without looking for the accolades and and the, the acknowledgment of other people, it should just be silent gift-giving of others and recognizing we have so much to offer, and every person on this earth has got a tremendous amount to offer each other.
0: What lessons have you learned in your career and your faith experience?
1: You, you know, I would say probably the most important thing is, is that uh, Christ forgives. And as Christ forgives, and, and I firmly believe that, I sometimes find it difficult in my own case if for the sins that I've had in my life to forgive myself. And, and if Christ is willing to forgive me, we have to be willing to do that. And that means we have to forgive others and not bring back—I I often told people there should be a statute of limitations on how frequently— your spouse can bring up something you've done <laughs> wrong. Like they shouldn't be able to go back. My wife's got this complete total recall. And I've certainly <laughs> given, I've given her a lot of ammunition, unfortunately. Um, but but we, we have to be able to understand that that means forgive and, and forget. And so I pray every day for that. I do the rosary every day as a means of just helping keep me grounded mm-hmm. in that issue about how important it is.
0: Tell us about your books. You have you mentioned earlier your book uh, Life Lessons Learned: Amazing Stories from My Walk Across America for Children, uh, and you have another book also. But tell us a little bit about your books and where you can get them.
1: Uh, they're both available on Amazon. But I wrote the book Life Lessons Learned as a means of helping additional fundraising for the Sisters of Good Shepherd, but more importantly because I was shocked at what I found, and, and so I'll just give you an example. I, I was in Kansas. I had finished about sixteen, seventeen hundred 1,700 miles, and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I had had a, a fairly severe ankle injury in Albuquerque, New Mexico, 800 miles previously. So I was limping uh, mm-hmm. in quite a bit of discomfort. And I had mentally made a decision. I was in Buckland, Kansas. I had med- made a mental decision I was going to quit. And But I'm always a pretty positive person. So I walked into this country restaurant, made five tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, town of Buckland's maybe 250 people. And there was this young waitress there. And she said, you know, sir, she said, I saw you walking from from Dalhart, Texas, to Guyman, Oklahoma, to Liberal, Kansas, to Buckland w- over four days because I'm only doing 25 miles a day. Mm-hmm. And so she said, can I ask you what you're doing? And I told her, and I, and I was very upbeat, and there were other farmers there. And so um, – and we were kind of joking around a little bit. And But meanwhile, in my mind, I was going to call my wife afterwards and say, look, I'm going to hitchhike to the airport and I'm coming home. And so she gave me a note and she said, you've inspired us today. This breakfast was on us. And Anytime I went into a restaurant, I would pick up somebody else's tab and I let them know. So that was the first time this had happened to me. So she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, don't you even think about quitting. And I looked at her and said, what are you talking about? She said, Put that backpack on. She said, "Get up, put that backpack on, and start walking. We'll help." And I said, "What makes you think I'm quit?" She said, "Sir, you've been very positive all day, but you've got quit written all over your eyes." Oh my gosh! But here's what I tell people: Imagine if she had said to me, "You look like you want to quit. Can I help you?" And I would have said, "Could you drive me to the airport?" Mm -hmm. Instead, she said, "Stand up, put that back on." And her next comment was, she said. These children have had people quit on them their entire life. You can't be one. And and she was eighteen. I was sixty sixty three, and at this point I went, wow. Well, and I, I literally, I, I that motivated me. I had no doubts about the rest of the walk. And, and we're talking like another thousand miles. Wow. But I have to tell you, yeah. it told me the importance how God put her there, knowing that He didn't want me to quit. And wow. I, I I was so I wrote about it in a book.
0: Wow. Well, listen, we've run out of time. Thank you for being with us here on Holy Family Radio, Central Pennsylvania Voices. My guest today, Frank Ryan, thank you for being here.
1: Joe, thank you so much, and thank you for the great job you all do on the radio station. We appreciate it. God bless you.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this edition of Central Pennsylvania Voices. <laughs> and thank you again for listening to this edition of Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joe Nebestitzki. Thank you.